0: Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. In this passage, if you recall, you have to go back two weeks now because we uh, uh, did take that one week break uh, from our study at Hebrews. But you recall in the beginning of chapter 6, he gives this very stern warning. Don't fall away. Don't, don't neglect. Don't, don't, don't go backwards in your passion, in your service, and in your devotion to the Lord. And you're kind of getting this sense of this writer. We don't know exactly who the writer of Hebrews was. We do we know, do know it's part of Scripture and was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But he is go, kind of going back and forth. He will get kind of stern and then he gets kind of soft. He will talk about the text and the deep things of, of, of their belief system. Then he'll talk about very practical things. And it sort of just kind of flows in this kind of ebb and flow of what he's talking about. So after he's come through this... What is a very stern, kind of almost stinging section. In verse 9, he shifts gears. And I want you to listen to the tone in verse 9. But beloved... By the way, that's the only way, only place in Hebrews where that word pe- appears, beloved. So he's, he's talking about the people I love, the people we love each other. Beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. I want to get back now to talking about the things that go along with us being saved people. We are saved by God's grace, received through faith. We are His children. He said, I'm expecting better things. And the better things are those things that accompany, go alongside, are part of our salvation. And he gets to it in verse number 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward His name, in that you minister to the saints and do minister what is it he's talking about that accompanies their salvation it is serving one another that's what i want to talk to you about this morning service follows our salvation if you're one of god's children serving serving using our gifts talents abilities opportunities and sometimes even our liabilities to serve each other in the body of christ you understand the first people to hear these words were a church it was not an individual it was not a a subset of the whole, but it was a, a local church, primarily made up of Hebrew believers, Jews who had converted to this faith in Christ. But he says to them, corporately, together, as a group, as a church, as a body, he says, You need to serve. And he begins with these words in verse 10 For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name. God notes, God remembers, God pays attention. What's he pay attention to? What's he mark? What's he count? What's he value? What's he hold dear to his own heart? He holds dear that we serve one another. So let's figure out some things that can help us think about our service, how we serve each other. I'm going to give you some examples. You could fill in the blanks of many other kinds of service because you are a serving people. And I think these were serving people. And we just need a gentle reminder. And I love how he says it. We have this expectation This is what I know is going to be true of you. I know this has been true of you. I know God notes it, and it's going to continue to be true of you. Because what accompanies our salvation? A spirit of serving people, serving others. So we serve others by by this means. And uh, I just want to just kind of go through some things that that we can pull out of the text. All right, number one, God honors your service for others. That's what you see here in verse 10. God is not unjust. To forget your work and labor of love sometimes in our world we get a little offended that no one noticed what i did no one noticed what we did i didn't get a thank you i didn't get a card in the mail i didn't get i didn't get the prize the recognition or the medal pinned on my chest and sometimes you maybe should have got some recognition but here's the fact of the matter is god misses absolutely nothing when you serve him it might be in the most obscure In your mind, small, unnoticeable, private, out of the scene place. But God says He will notice it. He honors it. So He honors your service. You want to please God? Find somebody to serve. It's near to the heart of God. Secondly, God ordained this to be the case, all right? Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So he says, this is what God wants to have happening in the body of Christ. What should the body of Christ look like? It should look like a bunch of people who serve each other, who help each other, who stand with each other, who encourage each other, who support each other. Sometimes they have to admonish each other, and sometimes we even have to rebuke each other. But all those things are part of our service. It's what God ordained. It's it's in his to-do list for us. Okay? Okay? He says, this is is going on, I expect this to happen. And then he says this, if you look at the end of verse 11. You show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Diligence is the key word. The same passion, the same energy, that you keep pushing forward. You lean into this, you keep moving forward. You don't do what he's warning about now in verse 12, that you do not become sluggish. You know what sluggish feels like, right? There are some of you that are morning people and you are right now so full of energy and you're so pumped up and you're ready just to conquer the world. And about 8.30 tonight, the sluggishness will hit. And then there's some of you that are night people. And they're the, you're the ones that I'm currently worried about because you're sluggish right now. Okay, we need to wake up, maybe stretch a little bit. Our, our same time helps us with that. But it's just that we just are not fully full of energy and life and zip and all that sort of thing. In our spiritual life, you need to give diligence to and not become sluggish in our service for the Lord. We need to be excited about it. We need to give energy to it. We need to devote ourselves to it. And I'm going to stop right now and give you an example. I brought, it's show and tell time this morning. Remember show and tell when you was in school? I have here an unopened package of 72 Pampers wipes. These belong to Mount Calvary Baptist Church. After the sermon, they're gonna go back over to the nursery where they belong. I just swiped them for for today. I looked up online, these cost three dollars and ninety nine cents. The only reason we have this little package of wipes is because somebody in that basket back there put some money in that basket. I don't know whose $3.99 it was. Maybe it was Three people's dollar and one person's 99 cents. I don't know. But we only have it because of your faithful giving and all the other stuff that we enjoy. So you want to serve? Keep giving faithfully. And by the way, friends, your faithfulness in giving for almost 13 years that I've been around you folks amazes me. It amazes me at the generosity of your giving. I thank you for that. I thank the Lord that he's caused that to be in your heart. So... $3.99, $3.99, thank you. Also, I want to tell you, these wipes don't work by themselves. There is no AI feature of this, okay? There's no, there's no it works itself. Somebody has to pop this thing open and do what you do with a baby wipe, okay? And there's people, are actually right behind that wall, the way this building is constructed, the preschool area. Uh, The early childhood area is right behind that wall. You have to kind of go around the horn to get there, but it's right behind that wall. There's someone over there taking care of some of our littlest part, littlest members of our church family. And part of what you do, you have to do this kind of stuff. I don't think they can hear me at the moment, but if I could yell through that wall, I would say, thank you and thank God that you're willing to do what you do. Also, I want to say this, give diligence to. Don't grow sluggish. We knew we need a few more people that's willing to do this kind of work. It's not—it's—it's it's easily done by in, unskilled labor. Okay, it, it, this is—you don't have to have a degree, you don't have to have a training. You will have to go pass a background check before you work with our little ones, and that's just because we want to do everything we can to protect them. But other than that, we could use you. And there's some of you that I just believe God's wanting to nudge your heart today to say, "Where can I serve?" That's all you need right there. And we already bought we bought all the materials for you. We got the opportunity for you. Now you might say that's not where I fit. Stand by, we'll give you some other opportunities, okay? But we need help. And by the way, the most difficult complicated schedule we have for volunteers probably is in our early childhood area. Because we have multiple services we have we have to do something between the services because we have one of our life groups that meets kind of overlapping the services we have morning, we have evening, we have Wednesday and And we usually ask folks to serve one slot per month. So that means lots of people have to serve multiple slots. And some of you are on the list. God bless you. Thank you. But if you want to sign up, you can just talk to me. You can talk to one of our pastors. You can uh, use some of our ons. Is is there a serve link that you can do on with text? You text serve? No? Text connect connect to 346-9681. Did I get the number right? I should have a slide on the screen. But we would love to get you connected. Why do we do these things and so much more? It's because God ordained it. It's what God expects. Secondly, God wants maximum effort in our service for others. Okay, That's, again, that diligence, that leaning forward. Notice he says, but imitate those whose faith and promise inherit the promises. Okay. Well, last thing we'll put on the list is God wants you to imitate others who serve. There are other people who serve find the people who are serving and go get in line. Now, I don't now you think for a moment about the people who served in the days this was written. There were no disposable baby wipes, but they had babies. There were no buildings like we have. And we're now in the in late late July, okay? There was no air conditioning. There was no padded seats for you to sit on. There was no a lot of things that we enjoy. When it comes to serving, we're pretty, we're, we're pretty well-equipped. Can we say it that way? And uh, these people also face something that you and I, at least currently, do not face. They faced the ever-looming possibility, probability, and actuality that they were going to be persecuted because they claimed allegiance to Jesus Christ. But he says, I expect, I expect we're confident of better things concerning you God's not unjust to forget your labor of love. He honors your service. He ordains your service. He wants maximum service. And he wants you to fall in line with a great company of people who are serving. I love that song, He Reigns. Talks about Asian believers. Talks about the people serving, worshiping in the Amazon. There's people worshiping in Africa, all around the world. We are part of a great host of people that we've not met and we won't meet this side of heaven that are serving God. And we serve in pretty plush accommodations. So give yourself to service. Now, I I can't say exactly where you fit. God, and the Spirit of God's got to do that, but find a place to serve. And by the way, there are some places to serve that don't fit anywhere on our organizational chart, okay? I understand that. You might be serving in your workplace. You might be serving in your neighborhood. You might be serving something I don't know anything about. But it starts not with the external, but it starts with the heart. And the heart being in, in a place that God can use, and we move forward. Why? Because this is what God wants to do. God wants us to serve. We serve God by serving other people. Do you ever think about what we can do for God directly? We can worship Him in song. That's sort of direct. We can pray to Him. That's sort of direct. But virtually everything else we do for God, we have to do through the intermediary of doing something for someone else, and then God is honored by it. That starts with preaching the gospel. That starts by being kind. That starts by doing things in our world, serving in the church, serving in our community, serving somewhere. So the way that we serve God is primarily by serving others. Look at the end of verse 12. I want to make sure you see these words. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now this is a pivot point. You'll see that in just a moment because he's going to give a second push to their service. A second a second little cluster of motivators to their service. He's going to get to that. But notice, I love this word, through faith and patience. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul talked about this danger of growing weary in well-doing. Doing Doing the right thing, doing what you should be, but just, I'm just sort of tired of doing it. It's wearing me down, it's grinding me down. What does Paul say is the answer to that to the Galatians? He says, in due season, you will reap if you do not faint. You have to plant and you have to wait a long time till you get a crop. Just keep planting, just keep watering, keep hoping because there's something better, something greater, something more significant coming. And part of this will wait when we're in the presence of Christ. God is not unjust. God will remember your labor of love, how you ministered, served the saints. And then we will have that opportunity to see how our serving him is through serving others, and he will honor that service to him. Let's think about how we are further motivated, and that begins in verse 13. We serve since we have his promise, and maybe that probably should be his promises, yes, because they're multiple. Now, you remember, he's talking to Hebrew believers. He's talking to people who were Jewish by birth, tradition, culture, and so forth, all right? So he's going to pull out an example of somebody that's going to tap into their consciousness. Someone is, the bell's going to ring, the clue phone's going to ring in their mind, okay? Verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, bing, 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 we've got a winner, okay? I mean, Abraham was the guy, right? He is the founder of the people. They are the descendants of Abraham. He's the one that God says, through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. You're going to have an eternal existence. This land is yours. The promise is yours. You're going to be. Your, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the sand on the seashore and the stars you see in the sky. Abraham was their forefather. Abraham was their hero. Why does he bring up Abraham? Because he's going to teach them that God keeps his promises, clue, and since God keeps his promises, we should keep our commitments to serving other people. All right? So that's how, how this breaks down. So here he goes, all right? When God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. Here he's quoting from, um, from Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So he says God made this promise, and oftentimes, maybe you've seen it in a courtroom or a courtroom drama on television or in the movies, Someone is going to testify and they raise the right hand. You swear to tell the truth, hold truth, nothing but the truth. And then, so help me God. You know, we call in a higher power to be the authenticator that what I'm saying is true. Well, God can have no greater authenticator than himself. So it says here that he swore by himself. God says, this is what I'm going to do. My name is on the line. My faithfulness is on the line. It says in verse 15, what did did Abraham do? He patiently endured and obtained the promise. Now this probably goes back to the the reality that Abraham and Sarah had one child. His name was Isaac. Now Abraham had another child and you can read all about that story. But Abraham and Sarah had one child, the child of promise. And then God tells Abraham, I want you to take him up on the mountain and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. How's that gonna work? Can you I, I I just it just it I I I cannot imagine what would have gone through Abraham's mind. You know the rest of the story. He's obedient to the point of having a knife in his hand, and then God says, stop. There's a there's a ram caught in a thicket, and it's the substitute, and that's sort of a picture of Christ being a substitute. You know all that story. But the fact was he patiently endured, he did what he said. Abraham didn't quit because he believed the promise. And he says to all of us, don't quit because you have some promises. And we'll get to it in just a moment. Don't quit. God's promises now are, we're going to start this way, are unchangeable. Verse 16. For men indeed swear by by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of if you want another word for mutability, it means unchangeable. It's just ne- it's not up for negotiation. It is fixed. It is settled. When God says he's going to do something, God does it. End of argument, okay? In which, verse 18, it is impossible for God to lie. Aren't you glad that's true? That's not the subject of this sermon, but I just want to stop and say, we also just say, thank you, God. Uh, by the way, you and I are capable of lying. Have you figured that out? Uh, I, I don't think any of us have an unbroken record of truthfulness back through our lives. And we have that capacity. God doesn't even have the capacity to lie. God who cannot lie, this is you can count on it. Uh, for God, if it's possible for God to lie, middle of 18, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. God's promises not only are unchangeable, but they bring us hope. And he's building a case here. God is, is, is this God who gives promises. Think about Abraham. It's even offering in Isaac, he kept his promise, and he made this great nation. You that he's writing to, you're, you're members of that great people of God, descendants of Abraham. And, and God cannot lie. His, his promises do not change, and they bring us hope. And by the way, sometimes we use hope in a very weak manner. We use hope in a way where it's it, all the all the strength of it is extracted. Well, I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope everything goes well. I hope I get a raise this year. I hope it's just sort of this sort of vapid little thing we throw out there wishing for something better. But hope in the Bible always has a stronger connection. It means rock solid confidence in what God can do and what God says. And if God is that faithful to us, it all circles back to this serving others. We're going to talk about more of that in just a moment. It's that which brings us hope, which brings us hope. Who have fled to refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. I have something else with me today. This is a Pyrex casserole dish. I don't know who it belongs to. If it happens to belong to you, please come up and get it after, the, after church because we have a number of these stashed away and people brought something in it and they didn't get to. We, we collect two things at church. After every time it rains, we have a nice collection of, of umbrellas left here. And after every time we'd serve a meal, we have this little collection of dishes. So feel free to come and get it. There's no name on it unless your name is Pyrex, okay? But somebody brought something in this for a meal we were serving, probably for a family that was, had a loss and were having a meal after a funeral, more, more than likely. And some of you do meals and take them to people's houses. Uh, we were part of that just this week and what a blessing that was. And, but did someone, and you think, I, I kind of think it was cheddar potatoes because that, that's what I'm hungry for, I guess. That's what I think was in here. I'm just guessing. But something came in here. Maybe it was beans. Maybe it was something else. And you say, that took just a few minutes. I just throw it together. It's no big deal. We brought it and someone had it. God is not so unfaithful to forget your labor of love. And if you keep serving, God is going to honor you for the serving. And we need to lay hold of that promise because that will help us not grow weary in well-doing. So thank you, whoever brought the cheddar potatoes or whatever it was. And thank you for serving. And, and there's many of you that do that sort of thing, and it doesn't even flow within our care. We have a care ministry that does meal trains. We have a care ministry that does funeral meals. We have a prayer... Uh, our prayer group, that, that you, know, you get an email if you want to sign up for that. Just do that on, on our website. You'll get an email and you're, you're responsible to just pray for whatever that request is as it comes to you. Part of our prayer team and other things that we do. Some of you send cards and that sort of thing. But you think, this isn't much. Can I just extract that from your vocabulary? Everything is much. but it's done from a heart that's in love with God. And we do it to serve others, whether it is people that are part of our church family or not. So come get your dish afterwards. And for those of you that are, are, some of us, by the way, some of us do not need to bring food and dishes, okay? Uh, Some of us probably need to leave that to people who know how to do that. But uh, if that's you, thank you for that. And I just want to encourage you. Just be on the guard, be on the lookout for something you can do to serve someone else. As some of you know, uh, my wife's father went home to be with the Lord recently, and uh, uh, we were just amazed with this stack, literally a stack of cards that showed up in our mailbox. Just to encourage you, say, well that's not much. You know, here, write a signature, a few cents to stick a stamp on it, whatever the card costs. Not a big thing. It's a big thing when you're on the receiving end. And someone t- It says this, I thought enough of you to think of you in your grief and in your transition. So, serve and see the significance of it it is important it matters it counts and connect this back to the fact that there's something better coming i have two more quick things i want to share with you and we're going to pick it up in verse 19 he's continuing this theme of hope okay this hope we have is an anchor of the soul i love that phrase both sure and steadfast now in their days anchors were not you know, like you know shows off a cruise ship and it goes down and the water hits bottom that's not how they did anchors the anchors they had was sort of a round piece of stone and it had a hole through it and you tie a rope to it and they take a little boat and drag it up the shore and drop this rock on the shore so that you wouldn't drift drift away at nighttime. Because predominantly they navigated they never wanted to get outside of out of sight of shore. Because navigation wasn't what they didn't have GPS in those days. Okay, they could navigate by the stars, but what happens if the clouds are there and you can't see the position of the sun and the stars? So they would typically stay close to the shore. When it's getting dark, they would come close enough to put an anchor out, and hopefully it would hold you till morning. Because if the anchor didn't hold and you woke up in the morning and you were outside of land, you could be in a world of hurt in those days. So he uses this picture of saying. The hope is what secures us to our place of safety. It's what secures us to our place of navigation, our direction, our direction in life. What is it? It's our hope to know that heaven is real, that we're headed there, and someday we will all be safely home. It's not this is not it. What do we do here? We serve each other, we give diligence to it. We don't get sluggish, we keep serving, but that is the point, is where we're heading. And if you've never trusted him as your savior, friends, Jesus Christ, we'll see this in just a moment, has done everything to to provide you with eternal salvation. And all you need to do is say, I take that for me. I take that for mine. I am trusting in nothing except Jesus and him crucified and him resurrected. That's enough to save my soul. I trust in that. And if we can help you take that step or understand what that means, we'd love to have any kind of conversation we could have with you, but If that's you, you need to take that step. End of verse 19. Let me read all 19. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, that means the Holy of Holies. If you know about the tabernacle of the Old Testament, the temple of the Scriptures, you understand there was one place that was the holiest of the holy. That's where the presence of God was. No one went in behind this curtain, this veil, at all and remember that's the significance when christ died the veil was torn saying we have access to that holy place but he says what god provides for us is right there where god is and he mentions that in verse 20 and then by the way this is going to be the transition what we'll look at in chapter 7 and following because he gets back to the fact that jesus is the high priest this, this, by the way, chapter 6 is a whole digression from a discussion he started in chapter 5 about the high priest. He goes on to some other subject and he circles back to it in chapter 7. Where the forerunner, verse 20, for the forerunner, that's Jesus, has entered for us, even Jesus, having, come high, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And we'll talk about that. I'll reserve my comments for what that means and the significance of it for next week. But the fact of the matter is his promises anchor us and his promises are completely and totally and fully in the holy work of Jesus Christ. Why do we serve? Because we have this hope of eternal life. have one more thing with me. That kind of looks like, that's that's significant stuff right there. I swiped this out of a, a place we have upstairs where our response team who... And, and some of us are not qualified to be on the response team either. I would probably do something really dangerous with this. Where there, there's tools, and I brought that one because I w- I made a hospital visit this week. Someone asked me to go visit one of the relatives. They do not attend ch- the relative that, that I, I saw does not attend church here. Had no idea, and she and she says, Pastor, while you're here, I just want to thank you for those guys from your church that came over and fixed my gas line. And I said, I'm really excited. She said, I thank you for doing that. I said, I didn't know anyone fixed the gas line. I'm glad that we have a team that does that, and I, I don't have to supervise it. It just happens. And they went, and she was just beaming. She said, well, you know, I don't even go to your church. It's not my church. And those guys came and just happily did fix my gas line of this lady who uh, was in need. There was a situation. We had one of our family members, a church family members that... that uh, uh, had some damage done by their by the storm that came through a couple nights ago and i got a text and i didn't get to the text until like the next day and they said Do you know anyone that could come help me out i'm like oh no How, how's things going this morning because it was now the next morning I said well some of them in the church is on the way and gonna be here in just a few minutes thank you whoever that was we could use more people that could help our response team we need some strong young backs actually that's what we need as much <laughs> as anything on the response team uh, so If that's you, sign up. Serve. And I just want to say this more than anything else. Thank you for serving. You have been motivated by the hope that lies in the future. You've tapped into the promises, the anchor of the soul, the reality that heaven is real. The fact that Jesus is our great high priest. And that's what motivates us to go out there and use our hands and our voices and our hearts and our minds and our talents and our strong backs to serve him faithfully. Whether that's using those baby wipes over there in our preschool area. Or whether that's going out and fixing something. Or it's just bringing some food to help somebody who needs to have some touch and encouragement in a time of crisis opportunity to serve thank you for serving thank you for joining us for living the word today we appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures and thanks too for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the word today we would love to have your feedback and to hear from you and the best way to contact us is through our website livingthewordtoday.com until next time may his blessing be yours